Welcome to Sales is Not a Dirty Word, the show that proves if it's a fit, it's a fact. I'm your host, revolutionary sales coach, Alicia Barr, the creator of the Black Sheep Sales Method. If you're a done-for-you service provider who's ready to sell differently than the mainstream status quo, so you can grow your profits and impact without pressure, pitching, or pretending to be someone else, then this is for you. This episode is with Barbara Barna Abel. Barbara is a multimedia communications coach, creative advisor, talent, and executive development expert, and the host of the award-winning global top 10% podcast, Camera Ready and Able, exploring the intersections of media, change, and personal growth. Barbara knows that a zombie apocalypse is scary, but that speaking on camera doesn't have to be. Her mission is to help you tap into your superpowers, to thrive on camera and in life, and to make an impact on the world. Her clients include global corporations, TV networks, founders, C-suite executives, entrepreneurs, innovators, celebrities, authors, and young creatives. She started her career in the music business before moving to television and continues to develop and cast shows across platforms. Her credits include Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, What Not to Wear, The RuPaul Show, and Page Six TV. Barbara has a well-respected eye for talent and gave early breaks to Adam Richman, Amy Schumer, Carson Kressley, Chrissy Teigen, Clinton Kelly, Jake Tapper, Jeff Probst, Sarah Haynes, Ted Allen, and Wayne Brady. Barbara is the author of How to Get Your Foot in the Door, Television Hosting and Presenting, a Step-by-Step Guide to Breaking into Television Hosting, and is currently working on her second book, The Camera Ready Checklist, an easy five-step process for success for anyone communicating through a camera lens. And I should mention, she is also very much a black sheep. So let's go. Welcome to the big show, Sales is Not a Dirty Word. Oh my God, Alicia, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. I'm so excited you're here. You have paved the way in a way that a lot of people haven't. I'm sure you hear that a lot, but really, um, I, we appreciate it as women, honestly, you were, you you were in there. Yeah. You were doing the work with a bunch of people who were telling you to sit down and be quiet. And you said no. And that's really hard to do for a lot of people. Wow. I really received that. And it's also because obviously so many extraordinary women came before me. That's true. There were some other black sheep women before us. Many, 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 many. Yeah, it's true. Um, So I loved what you were talking about whenever we, you know, first met that you help people figure out what makes them stand out. So when you meet people, are they often kind of feeling pressured to be mainstream? Mm. Uh, yes, but it's it's actually maybe more nuanced than that. But yes, it's not only pressured because you actually, you know, in a, in a previous conversation actually pointed out to me what we both know is like to succeed now you have to stand out. So I don't know that people actually feel pressure to fit in, which is how it was when I started. Um, in my career, and we'll come back to that. It's more, it's a fear-based situation because the messy middle is a safety zone for many of us to, you know, mm-hmm. but it's a false sense of security because you, you're you just stuck if you're with the crowd, right? And you're, you know, you're hiding, feels comfortable in there, but it's not actually truly a safe place. It's mm-hmm. self-defeating. So, um, so it's one, it's like the fear of standing out and that gets into, it goes into multiple paths for people because some it's the deep seated fear 
and true feeling that like you aren't that exceptional and that um, and you've bought into this idea that's like unless you're not the most or the first or the biggest or the loudest or any of those that you're sunk. And I love talking about that because I'm obsessed and we're going to have to come back to this with um, it. I, I believe in, I'm in praise of vanilla and I, I it ugh, gets me when people use vanilla as a pejorative description because th- what they're really talking about is fake vanilla extract. It's fake oh, vanilla. Yeah, yeah. Your vanilla extract is expensive mm. and it's rare and it pairs with everything. It's like, a, there's a reason why vanilla is in like every candle that smells good and mm. why it's such an important ingredient in so many delicious desserts. So I'm really all about that. So I'm all about into tapping into your um, pure vanilla essence, meaning you can be normal and mainstream and like the most amazing at that. So we'll circle back. So there's one that I'm not enough of that Two, There's also the fear in the standing out, depending on how you were raised culturally, where you may come from around the world, any number of things that is very, very uncomfortable because you have a very loud voice in your head um, saying that conflating, sharing your gifts and focusing on how sharing your gifts is going to make the world a better place conflating that with being egocentric, selfish, mm. et cetera. That was a very long-winded answer to your opening question. But that's that's where people come to me with you know, many. And, and then there's another fear too, is you were successful in one field and now you have to be successful in another. And that can be as simple as like, I am one of the world's most successful fill in the blanks. And now I have to be good on camera. And now I have to be good at marketing. And now I have to be good at selling myself, which I didn't have to be when I was like, I don't know, the world's best dentist. And so that's a third level of like, um, you know, a block or a limiting belief or a thought pattern that, you know, that is part of the opening gambit when I work with people. Yeah. I mean, it was, that's a very rich answer there. Basically people come to you. I mean, that's a lot of a mental activity for people. And I'm sure that some of the listeners can relate to feeling like, oh, I'm not different enough. Like I don't do things different enough. I'm like you said, I'm not the first or the best or number one, if you're not first, you're last or whatever. And so you really show them how they are the best in their own way, basically. Yes. Yeah, that I, I'm going to, you know, quoting um, a chorus line that, um, you know, they are a singular sensation. And so we've got to tap into that. And I, stretching metaphors, I like to go into like, what's the recipe of you? Mm-hmm. And maybe even, um, you know, taking out w- words like best and just being, it's like, the, they're, you know, and um, again, quoting Oscar Wilde, you know, paraphrasing is like, do you because everyone else is taken. So it's kind of, and that's where we get into the notion of tapping into your superpowers and identifying what are the things that make you, you, and that are of value to others and, you know, bring us together and kind of Venn diagram it. I mean, that's a hell of a superpower because a lot of people don't even know. I, I mean, I, I think there's definitely people who are like, what is my personality? Like, I don't even know. Oh, I'm what... so glad you said that. Yeah. That is one of, um, the most common things I hear from people who are, um, you know, presenters, and I hope it's not too loud for you guys. I'm in Brooklyn, New York, and the sirens come with me. They like to, yeah, they like to. Um, but, um, but they're on it. They're they're saving the day somewhere. Um, okay, but anyway, people come to me all the time, and will especially in the host or presenter or spokesperson space, and say, um, you know, feeling inhibited or frustrated, they can't show more of their personality. And so the first thing I question will be like, well, okay, what is it? Let's define your personality so you can bring more of it. Mm-hmm. 
And that can often um, stop people in their tracks because no one's ever really thought about that. And then that gets really into technique. Well, there are bajillion ways of showing your personality that many people haven't thought about. And that can just get into even phrasing and pausing and energy and how you use your voice. Yeah, that's like really those speaker tools that I have heard about. And they do make a difference in how you impact somebody. But I've never heard somebody talk about tying those speaker tools to your personality. So you're saying like if somebody has like a methodical, thorough personality, then they would maybe speak in a slower cadence because it would match that. Is that kind of what you're saying? Maybe, but that's actually an interesting thing because it depends. That's where we get into energy and like – and making one going deep in the weeds, but it also it's like, who are you talking to? Because you have to meet your audience where they are and also understanding what your goals are, which I think is so, you know, directly in relationship to the work that you do. So it's like, once you have your messaging and your, you know, your core values and the sort of general pitch and thing you do, you have to adapt it to every audience, whether that's an audience of one or an audience of thousands, depending on what the goal is, whether that's to make the sale or just to keep the conversation going, you know, and an easy way to look at it sometimes is like, you know, what, if you're an expert or whoever parent who has just, you know, an awesome job, when you go to talk about what that is, um, at your kid's school, your energy, your language, your connection, what you wear, all of it, is going to be different than when you go into a room full of investors to ask for money. So it's talking points about your business and what you do are the same. Yeah. It's so, um, complex (laughs) and cool that you can marry both of those. So helping somebody understand their raw ingredients and how to bring them out and represent themselves authentically while also keeping in mind who they're talking to so they can adjust themselves for their audience while remaining authentic. Absolutely. That's really difficult for people to wrap their brains around. That's like a lot of moving parts. So like, can you give us some examples of just basic in a basic way, like talking to a group of men or a group of women? Is there a way that you would want to speak differently to those two audiences? Because I know that you are saying that's something that a lot of your, you have so many female clients and that's one of the things that they sort of struggle with because in, at work, their corporate trainers are trying to make them sound like a man. Yes. It's also partially generational and, um, certainly can get, um, industry specific, and the only reason I'm saying that too is now if I am in, you know, media or, you know, in more of a Gen Z younger millennial group, mm-hmm. this um, has shifted quite a bit mm. it, or it depends on the culture where you're working is, let me put it this way. Right. But so younger generations have grown up with this. So they have a very different view of, you know, a badass woman and what that means and mm. how. Um, a badass woman, you know, can laugh, can cry, can have a sense of humor, can do all sorts of things and be a leader, right? Yeah. Where in um, more traditional corporate settings where you still have a probably an older male leadership structure. So they're coming, you know, from their, what they've learned through generations. And that though they may be super welcoming to women in their midst, there's still an idea of like, this is how we communicate, this is how we talk about things. And um, so, so yes. Yeah. So going back to what you've asked me. So in my career, I mean, I really started to tap into this 
um, and discovered it kind of just happened where, you know, somebody who was in that space in a C-suite came to me because needed to make a big, big impact at some like jumbo conference and realized, you know, the firm, they had had a really highly regarded, you know, person on retainer, but that was also middle-aged guy mm. talking to middle-aged guys and yeah. realizing this person was not going to have the lived experience to help my client to understand what were those challenges in the room? How do I be me? And this gets really nuanced and deep about like, mm-hmm. you know, into really like, who are you? But, you know, where do we straddle that line? Where, you know, where do you push forward? Where do you step back a little bit? Um, and you get really, but so to help for listeners, it's, there's sometimes it's a checklist of questions because then we also get into really understanding like, who are we talking to? What, you know, what are their um, key points? What's going to, you know, what do people need to feel hear, experience, how, you know, how do you deliver that? How are you going to build trust so that there's more room for um, inserting uh, different opinions or uh, leading people in a different direction? What do you need to establish trust with them that um, your perhaps male colleague doesn't have, that doesn't not going to have that onus on them mm-hmm. and to get really deep in the weeds. I mean, I, it's constantly a shock to me, I, which sounds naive, but it still kind of breaks my heart a little bit. I mean, I can't tell you how many women at the highest levels will say to me that um, to this day, you know, when a woman is strong in her opinions and um, voice is referred to as shrill. To yeah. Day, just, or bossy or, you bossy, know, I, I didn't mean to contradict you, Alicia, but I mean like bossy, I would, yes, you're right. But I mean like shrill is nasty. That's, yeah. a, that's, that's mean. That's like really cutting. So nobody ever that, you know, um, that, uh, that really, really, really gets me. So, but anyway, so technique wise, that's one of the things we talk to women and this is for anybody who um, may have a higher voice. Is, is being conscious of starting your to speak. So we start with breathing. We check in. Is to speak in a lower register. And by no means is this, you know, becoming um, Elizabeth Dehuda who, you know, in the um, I, why am I blanking on her name? And you know exactly who went to jail for the whole fake blood thing. Um, um, yeah, uh, the yes, the um, woman in San Francisco. Yeah, I could Google this in a second. This is so embarrassing. There are notes. There are notes. Yes, Theranos. Anyway, okay, so, and you can Google this. You can go to YouTube and look. she actually talked to it. Was like, yeah, it sounds like a joke. It's like there's was, no way. It was fake. It sounded like <laughs> we made crank calls when I was a kid. Yeah. You have Prince Albert in a can, let him out. Anyway, <laughs> so you don't want to do that is what I'm saying. But when we get nervous or excited, but certainly we're nervous. We have a lot on the, on the line. Uh, we speak from our chest. Mm. Our voices go up. So if you just breathe and you're aware of starting from you know, speaking from your diaphragm and, and just starting a little bit lower, it gets you, it gives you room to move around and to go up and down. Okay. And right there helps. Also, this sounds funny, but just even feeling your feet on the floor, because that brings you, you're really grounded and to kind of stand in your power that way. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So going from your diaphragm instead of your chest, especially when you're nervous and feeling your feet on the ground. So you are very grounded Mm -hmm. and you make a a very good point about how the millennials have shifted how they see women. Would you say that they still should adjust 
their language, depending if they're talking to a group of male millennials and Gen Zs versus like women millennials and Gen Zs? Um, you know what? That's an excellent, excellent question. I'm also going to say, you are always going to ask ourselves, um, it's what I call mind the gap, goal, audience, platform. What's the goal? Who's the audience? What's the platform? And that platform could be in person, via Zoom call, on the phone, you know, via social media, all different ways. Um, and so you're asking yourself, how do I speak to this audience via this platform to achieve the goal? And the only reason I'm going to say that is because none of this is universal. I'm a big believer. We live in such a hyper niche world and that applies to everything now in the communication so that, um, but on the one hand, yes, because I work with a lot of um, young female founders who come with great products, super exciting. So especially in the beauty and lifestyle space. And I don't know if this appeals to you or not, but I certainly, even though I'm like not in the demographic, I am all in on lifestyle and, you know, people coming with these amazing, um, you know, products and things that are going to make my life better. So when you go to an event and I've attended many where some, that founders there and they're talking about that product to a group of women, um, all ranges, but certainly, you know, people who are target customers on up to potential investors if we have like an emotional connection to that product and it's a room full of women, we're going to lean in. Like we're like nodding our heads. Yeah. We understand why that like incredible flat iron or that, I don't know, that thing that's going to miracle nails or like, I don't pick anything. It's going to make, we're nodding and we can um, up talk. We can use vocal fry, which the Kardashians do. We could do all sorts of things that are, you know, typically communication no-no's. Cause we're the girls we're talking and like yeah. all the rules sort of go out the door. Right. And there's an intimacy and we're building trust. And that's a very successful strategy in that space. Right. Makes, Take that yeah. same person. Sorry to interrupt you. No. Take that same person. But then now you're going to have like guys in the room who are not your target or target audience, right? They're not going to use the product. So you have to figure out a way how to make them feel included in that conversation. So that's something we're so we're going to adapt our communication style. And that hit me years ago, by the way, when, um, uh, you know, one of my personal gurus, like a virtual mentor, if you will, doesn't know me, but I love them. But they were speaking at some big groovy conference. And one of my business coaches was there, a young man at the time. And he um, was disappointed because it was so clear, like they gave their typical keynote, but they didn't adjust anything about the delivery for the fact that it wasn't a female audience who had been there where this person had started. And that was about 10, 15 years ago. And that really stuck with me. That was a, you know, where I really started to tap into how much we have to adjust for who we're talking to. And this was a person at the top of their game. Yeah. I mean, this makes a ton of sense and, and definitely aligns and parallels with things that I say about sales. You know, you, you take in, I mean, there are layers to sales and at the more advanced layer, you are looking at for visual cues of a person yes. when you start to tailor something to them. And so sometimes when I'm helping clients, for example, there'll be like a nurse who wants to write a book. And I have a client who wants to, who helps them write their book, but they don't know anything about business or writing a book. So it's almost like you need to change your language and change the metaphors you're using to talk about when you were doing exams and or like a metaphor, including a doctor or a patient or something so that somebody they can understand what you're saying. And so it it just makes total sense that that would apply to speaking and on camera, too, that you have to adjust thinking, how is this person going to interpret? Do they have the context to interpret what I'm saying? And then also, will it resonate with them more 
if I say it one way versus another. And that's a lot of detail for one person to think about. So it's really cool that you just kind of think about it for them. Right, that was so beautifully said. And that was a really great explanation of, of the very simple idea of meeting your audience where they are because you have to meet their expectations. And it's like, so what are, and so you gave a very good specific example um, in a professional space. It's like, you're an expert, but experts in publishing who are the gatekeepers communicate and expect communication and have expectations that are different than, that, than your experience or that you don't have knowledge of. I recently had um, an adorable client of mine that I want to give a shout out to, Gemma Tran, who's got an amazing product called Gifsa which is a, her love letter to New York, but it's a gift box of like locally made New York treats that come in a pizza box. Okay, so it's adorable. She's an immigrant from the Philippines. I say all this because she's adorable. She's got an amazing product. And she came to me um, for coaching because she wanted to get on TV. And I was like, great. And I was kind of like, parallel to you or slightly relevant. I was like, you know, uh, let's make sure this drives sales because you're investing in this coaching. Like, you know, the TV is going to actually help you. But she had this big goal that I thought, I'll be honest, I thought was um, unrealistic. She's like, I really want to be a bartender on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. And I was like, okay, that's a long shot, but let's (laughs) do it. Yeah. No, because I mean, it's like they have a finite number. And like, that's a very, you know, when you look at who gets to do that, um, and the thing that was between Gemma and her dream was understanding how to communicate within this very specific hyper niche world, which mm-hmm. is part of like my own experience since I come from television mm-hmm. and television production to be to say, this is how people on TV need to be communicated with. This is the language. These are, these are some of the, it's not even like phrases. It's, these are facts you're going to need to point out that are connect the dots that are going to tell them not only you have a great product, but it's like that you're going to make sense in this position because they have a finite number of people who get to do that. And it's like, and it's highly competitive. Well, I'm here to tell you, Gemma Tran appeared on uh, Watch What Happens Live as the guest bartender on December 6, 2023. Uh, it was amazing. I've never seen anybody maximize an opportunity as much as she did. And all that was missing was similar to what you do and what the client does that you described is help somebody understand how to talk to the audience that they were trying to reach. And she did yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's typical sales. Like, what's in it for them? <laughs> What do they care about? And how can I talk about that? Because there's a lot of different ways that you can position something. But the one that's going to work the best is whatever matters to the person you're talking to. Beautifully said. Yeah. So that just makes a ton of sense. And then is there anything that you would advise to people who are trying to figure out like their raw ingredients or what makes them different and, and that they are exceptional. I know you usually work with the black sheeps. So like they already know there's something like that isn't mainstream about them. Um, they're like, look, I'm a little weird. How do I make it fit into mainstream? Is that kind of like who you're talking to more so? Well, you know what? You actually just said something that is the answer broadly to the question. It's There's no reason to fit into ma- mainstream because I'm not even sure what mainstream is. Um, anymore, then we'd also have to ask what's the value of that to you and whatever it is you do in your goals, right? Because Mm -hmm. if your audience isn't there, why focus so much energy there? If that's out of alignment with your values, um, there are a bunch of different questions to that. But um, so, so one is beginning with, you know, like, what are your goals? But one of the ways we start to tap into Um, what that is, is by doing what you said, it's like, well, what's in it for the person that you're talking to, right? How is it helpful to them 
and or their audience, you know, for them to, to work with you, listen to you, speak with you, engage with you, whatever that is, hire you. Um, so that's where you go is like starting to understand um, this is who I am. This is what I, you know, do. Then there are also things, hard skills versus soft skills. But to your point is like, it very simply puts, let's, let's see how we're in alignment and how what my mm-hmm. awesome um, helps you fills in something that you don't have and maybe need, Mm -hmm. um, open their eyes to something. And then to your point, it's like, you know, what do people need in TV? People need eyeballs, um, which is often missed. Like uh, people focus a lot on like the doing of the job. And I was like, okay, by the time you get your foot in the door, you're at that meeting, there's an expectation that everyone can do the job. Yeah. (laughs) So that's not, that's not special. And by the way, if you're so amazing with your personality and light up a room and you have zero skills, they will call me and some of my favorite colleagues and teach you the hard skills because that's mm-hmm. the easy part. The hard mm-hmm. part is lighting up that room and getting eyeballs. So if you're somebody that nobody can take their eyes off of like in TV land, that's like you're golden, but it really gets into, um, you know, how, how's it helpful? How does it serve? And then looking at it's like, you know, where are the opportunities? I mean, we can go on and on is sort of typically coachy conversations, but <clears throat> skipping ahead, I think to where you're headed to is one of the things that helps is, is just having conversations with people because as people start to tell me their stories is where their amazing awesomeness starts to emerge very, very simply. And they're things that people don't realize is amazing. So when somebody tells me a story, but I've tried so hard and haven't succeeded and I'm like, yeah, but you're still here trying. So it means like that you don't quit. Yeah. Like, hugely valuable. Yes. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, um, I mean, we, that would just be a very simple one, but it's just in people telling me their stories. I'm just like, wow, now you're telling me you're collaborative. I had somebody who came to me, was young, really, really young, um, like 23, and was working at um, as a production assistant and was like feeling kind of, you know, like ambitious and was like, how do I move forward? And when this person had been rock, uh, working on a talk show and revealed to me that they were the person that um, was always sent in to get the um, releases signed by the celebrities. Like they sent this person in. Oh. I was like, okay. It's a, that's a skill. Like okay. those celebrities don't want to sign anything. And, um, and, <laughs> and or their people. But my point is, okay, that I see, right? You got it right away. That revealed so much about that young person to me. It's like your bosses trust you. You are calm, cool, and collected under pressure. You can, you know talk to anybody about anything. You can like go in and get the, get the job done. I was just like, that's a thing. And we're going to mention that, you know, when you're reaching out to people and, and, you know, I'm here to help you massage that language and what that makes, but it's like that person who's going to hire is like, that's valuable. Yeah. A lot of us can go fetch coffee or print things, which is what I did back in the day. But like that, that's a skill. They sent you for a reason and not the other one. Yeah. So (laughs) it really comes down to someone thinking back, like maybe it's almost like a feeling like when you're doing, when you're in your, you almost feel like a little bit of magic happening when you're in your superpower. It's just easy for you. And people's eyes seem to light up and the, I don't know, they seem to offer. No, no, you're totally right, Alicia. So right. You just tapped into one. A lot of times people overlook them because they're the things that are easy for them. So it didn't occur to them that that was special. Like that thing that I, that's just easy for me to talk to people about is to strike up conversations with strangers, golden, 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 because most of us are uncomfortable doing that. But for those who that's easy, it's like, yeah, that's really good. Um, 
you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yes. Yeah, so glossing with either. And then when you said the things that make us light up sometimes as an exercise is going back and thinking about like, when did you feel most in flow? When have been the moments where you, you felt that thing that you're describing, where you light up and you saw other people's, you know, other people lighting up and you're like, okay, I want more of that. And what yeah. has to happen for more of that? And then there are techniques about how we can tap into that and call it up as needed. So, you know, those, there are a lot of like NLP techniques around that, but first becomes to like, know what that is, which is another way of, you know, part of the finding out your personality and finding out like, what does it mean to be my authentic self? Well, and when you say that, like, there are people that go in and they don't light up a room, what are the reasons usually that they're not lighting up the room? Does Do, do some people just have the capability, the innate, innate ability, or is it something that can be learned? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that because, okay, I, as a coach, am a firm, a thousand percent believer that these are skills that any of us can learn, right? And it, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to always, you know equal the same as anything. But the point is there's a fabulous, excuse me, a fabulous book I highly recommend called The Charisma Myth by Olivia Fox Caban. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. not, so I don't know if you're familiar. She is a, um, or was a Harvard researcher. I don't know if she's still there, but so she, I found this book 15 years ago because I wanted to know the same thing. And she um, did tons of research and really came away with these, anybody can learn to tap into their and their charisma and to develop it and to strengthen it. And she broke it down into an equation of three things, presence, power, and warmth. Mm-hmm. Every time I'll walk you through all that, what all that means, but I am a firm believer. So to answer your first question, why does it happen? Um, one, we have to, it can be generational and cultural. So we have to tap into why it matters because mm-hmm. there are many, many people depending on what you do professionally, who lead, and this is partially generational too, can lead with the facts or the doing. Hmm. And don't think that there's any sale involved, right? Or like, why? Hmm. Do you do it? It's yeah. like, you know, it's just like, we just do the job and the job speaks for itself. Yeah. And so, um, and that, I don't know if that ever really worked, but it certainly doesn't work now. <laughs> I would argue that it didn't really work ever. Yeah. So, so there's that. So one, just p- making people aware, like they are like, I didn't know. <laughs> then two, it's defining what it is. So to light up a room, um, I love that. But for some people, that's terrifying language because that's suddenly meaning um, introvert me has to wake up tomorrow and I'm Tony Robbins or I'm Oprah. And Mm -hmm. that scares the bejesus out of people. And so I'm like, no, that's not it. So we focus on connecting, making a connection, Mm -hmm. building trust, um, understanding that what you have to say has value to look at marketing yourself or what you're doing is sharing your gifts, being purpose connected, understanding like, you know, can I, how's this going to make someone's life better, easier, et cetera. And, um, I love to give the example of his holiness, the Dalai Lama. I don't know if you've ever seen him speak or watch video, Mm. but, um, first of all, radiance personified. Mm -hmm. And I always qualify by saying, okay, decades of training. So, it's not like tomorrow any of us are going to wake up and be there. But the point is, so I mean, literally the notion of radiance personified and that it comes from within is the Dalai Lama can walk out on a stage. There's video, um, you know, in front of like a hundred thousand people and do nothing, just stand still quietly and smile. And you can see the radiant energy and how people receive it. So I always say that because I want the introverts and the shy people out there to know that it has nothing to do with about being the notion of being big and loud. Mm. Um, if you've been watching the crown yes. final season, cause there's, it's fabulous because there's, they pointed out a little bit, but not really, but there was a real shift in the last, 
um, 10, 15, 20 years, the queen had to rebrand because the, the monarchy was going. Yeah. And so um, I love this as a case study, but the part of the whole point is to, to the notion to be bold is to show up to be seen. And so we can define, you know, how we do that. And you can be loud without having volume and you can be bold without doing something outrageous, which is, I think, what people equate the two. So yeah. for the queen, they slightly changed the hue of the clothes that she wore and they changed the cut of the clothes with her fabulous dresser, Angela, whose last name I'm forgetting, but wrote a book about it that I have. Um, and it was it was the whole idea of slightly modern. It was just like a tweak, an adjustment because she always has to, she always had to dress to stand out in a crowd, right? So in a world of like you know grays and and blues and neutrals, that's one way you can stand out by just bringing some color. That could be strategic. Yeah. Um, uh, the cut of your clothing, just how you stand, using a smile. So there's so many ways to be bold and to do something that doesn't have to be about outrageousness, because that scares yeah. the heck out of people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, somebody who silence can be incredibly powerful. If oh, that's you a whole other strategy, yes, are not like fidgeting through it, you know, you you have to be grounded through it. It can be, it can make a big statement. So can I jump I love- in there just as a strategy because yeah. to your point, in the silence is it, so. Then let's take not fidgeting and you know just again turn it around into a positive. Demonstrate that you're active listening. Yeah. And we do that with our facial expressions, our body language, the tilt of a head, just as a fun tip for, um, you know, anybody who's on a panel, that's such a way to stand out, especially if somebody's um, doing a lot of talking and you're not getting an opportunity to talk is that people can see how actively engaged you are. And then there's subtle ways of, you know, inserting yourself. Sometimes that could be like a little supportive laugh or a little applaud or a high five or an amen there. Anyway, lots of different ways, but yes, being quiet is powerful. I love your perspective on all of this. It gives, I, I hope that the listeners feel like they are thinking about things in a way that they haven't before. And, you know, realizing the power of all of the little details that make up a person and just to know that you are valuable, whether you're quiet or loud or different or vanilla in in an extract, vanilla extract kind of way. And nobody is truly boring. Um, You've never met a boring person yet, right, Barbara? That's such a great question. Um, I'm going to say I've met people who chose to be boring. Okay. Yeah. But like deep down, once you actually talk to them and they weren't like masking in a way, like putting on some. Yeah, everybody has something there and everybody, and, and then to find your people and your tribe. And, you know, in a closing note, if anybody read Eat, Pray, Love mm-hmm. back in the day or watched the movie, again, that's a powerful thing to go back and read because it's like, you know, when she went to um, the ashram, praise my favorite of the three chapters, because, right, she wanted to have some deep, deep job there. And she felt some shame that she was the greeter. And they were like, but you're the greeter because you're the one who's so great at greeting people and making them feel welcome at the ashram. Yeah. Like she had to, that they, she had to be taught that. Yeah. Value that she, 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 you know, she wanted to be, I don't know what she wanted. She wanted to be the deep meditator person because she had bought into the idea that like that was somehow more valuable. And the, you know, the people in charge and her love interest who called her grocers were like, no, you're so, you're so outgoing. The rest of us aren't. You're amazing. You make everybody feel at home here. That's a, that is like a blessing. 
It's so funny that you say that because so many people think that that is so valuable. And it's ironic that the extroverted people are like, this skill is nothing. Like, (laughs) it's just all a matter of perspective. And so if you're trying to figure out what your special sauce is, it's probably the thing that you think is nothing special. Um, and that's exactly it. Yeah. (laughs) So you can also start with just polling your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is a great stopping point for us. And so we've reached the end of yet another episode of sales is not a dirty word. Thanks again to Barbara for making an appearance today. And can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they can work with you? Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for asking. So um, I'm very easy to find and um, and I respond to everything. So everything kind of goes through my website, ableintermedia.com, which is A-B-E-L-I-N-T-E-R-M-E-D-I-A.com. And then um, unfortunately I had to get stuck with an underscore because there's a Barbara Able in Europe. So um, Barbara underscore Able, Instagram, LinkedIn, Threads, Facebook, um, yeah, and shoot, and just shoot me a note uh, either via my website or BBA at ableintermedia.com. Would love, love to help. And Barbara, I love how you're just celebrating people and lifting them up and telling them that they should believe in themselves because you've seen a lot and you believe in them and you've met a lot of people. And that is so powerful and needed in this world and can make such a huge difference. And so you guys, please go connect with Barbara. She is, we need more of this energy in our lives, this like celebrate and win together and not forcing yourself to fit into any mold, but just be more you. Mm, Thank you, Alicia. I'm so glad we connected and right back at you. Thank you. Okay. This has been the sales is not a dirty word podcast where we show you how to convert up to 80% of your sales meetings without pain, pitching, or pretending to be someone else. And if you feel like you're not converting as much as you'd like, or it's uncomfortable for you, please, please, please book a sales level up call. And we will identify the top three things you can adjust immediately to increase your sales. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next time.